guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo freezer it's time for a mojo injection episode 80 oh baby i'm so excited to be here we're in the 80s and um it's christmas time i hope you're doing okay i hope you are living in faith over fear because it can be really easy to get dragged down mentally and emotionally at this time of year um, with the fear of, you know, the money, going into debt, family politics, pressure around the table, who's doing what, who's giving to who, are you going to kill your partner, are you really struggling being at home with the kids even though you're romanticised about these lovely mornings, um, you know, whatever your issue is, whatever your battle is, I just want to send you a whole heap of love this Christmas and a whole heap of joy. Um, I got sent a lovely message last night because um, I've been doing a lot more singing on the stories as and when I can just for music therapy survival. And someone wrote to me and said, you bring me to life. Thank you. That is why I do it. OK, it's not for the ego. It's not because I think I'm this incredible singer. I can hold a tune, but let's face it, I could do with some lessons. Um, it's not about that. It's just about having fun and releasing the mojo and music is one of the best ways so my tip to you is if you're struggling this christmas with whatever it is going on in your mind or externally from pressures or controlling relationships or anything just when you start to really struggle turn the music up and dance it off get out for a run be kind to yourself take some time to meditate light a candle Put Uncle Buck on. Sometimes Uncle Buck ain't enough to cut the mustard dough. So be kind. Listen to podcasts like this. So I have got Ben Coomer as my guest this week. I heard Ben speak recently. He lost 5.5 stone of body fat. He built three stone of muscle. He transformed his career into a world of health and fitness. He is a nutritionist, a coach, an ed educator. He's really big on the mindset stuff, which is why I wanted him on. And I just love chatting to him it's very clear how much work he has done on the mind and it's not just all hard work that's got him here i think it, a lot of it is his mindset too and he's doing great things he's got a huge following so you can check him out on facebook twitter or instagram a lot of people seem to be loving instagram these days so you'll get him there at ben coomer he also has a really amazing podcast um it's voted number one quite a lot so i hear ben coomer radio so you can check that out um yeah just enjoy his chat but first before we jump in all in and i, I always ask that you guys are here with an open mind give up what you got right just listen with an open mind because that's when the magic happens when we get too lost in the detail and we turn on our analytical brain uh, that's when we lose the magic we need a bit of both i get that i get the science behind our minds i get it all but we also need to unwind and just let the real download sink in. But yeah, let's shout out to our amazing supporter of the podcast this week. And you guys know who I'm going to say. It's all about those pods. I'm going to give another massive shout out to our friends at Float Philosophy who are based on the west side of Edinburgh. I hit it off with Nick, the owner. We could have chatted all day. He's all about the future of relaxation and recovery, the stress and demand of modern life on our physical and mental health is extreme. And what Float Philosophy do is they offer a healthy, scientifically backed method to combat this problem. 
I have been out to try their lovely floating tanks and boy did I relax and unwind. And there's something magic about shutting off those senses and being floating in the dark. No music, no lights, no chat, no screens, just you. And you can take yourself wherever you want to go. I took myself to inner space, um, my own little world. And I don't know what's going to come up for you when you when you try this. But for me, a lot came up. And I'll share some of that in the next book. But here's a teaser for you. If you want to improve your writing, your content, your general fitness, your well-being, get yourself to a float tank. Still time to get some gift vouchers. Floatphilosophy.com. Massive shout out. Thanks for the support. You'll be seeing me tagging them and going out to see them again soon. Um, Right. Shall we jump in? All in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Let's do this. Welcome, Ben. How are you today? Hello. I am awesome. Oh. What's your mojo on a scale of one to ten? Uh, I'm going to say eight. Oh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm focused. I'm loving life. But as it approaches Christmas, I can feel under the surface that a good four, five, six days off would, like, would be really nice and would just bring that mojo back to ten. Great. So are you going to be all in with it? Are you going to properly holiday, screen detox, be fully present with a fam, you know, give more of yourself rather than less? Or do you think the temptation will be there to be like, oh, I've so much to do? Uh, as a business owner, there's always that temptation. I think it's through experience, knowing what you need. And uh, I am my best self when I can separate work and a home life really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of rules with myself of like when I'm switching off and like there's apps that I don't even have on my phone so I don't get disturbed half of my day my phone is on aeroplane mode so I can't physically be disturbed so yeah I, I'm looking forward to just uh, going out watching some films eating some food I've got a, a book I really want to read and just relax with so yeah 100% amazing what's the book any good reading tips for people because i love reading over the holidays when the kids allow uh it's a business book so it's probably uh of not many uh not many people of interest on it i don't know um it's a it's a book of how i can be sort of a better leader in my business uh both to myself and to the people that are in my team um i've spent a long time being what I would describe as a, an out and out entrepreneur of doing a lot of stuff and working hard and taking every opportunity. And you, you can't do that anymore. When you've built a bigger business, you have to stand back and break your old habits and breaking old habits is the hardest thing. Yeah. So I actually quite like, uh, and I'm fond of quite extreme approaches to habit breaking where it literally forces you to do a new thing. Um, so it's, it's like, it's like they say about the gym, like turning up is the hardest part. And it, it kind of is like once you're there, you'll just sort of do something. So like with your everyday routine, like what do you have to do to break the habit of the thing that we, you would usually start to do? Mm-hmm. So I would quite often like log on and have a look at Slack and make sure I address my team and all the rest of it. But my brain, don't know about other people, thrives on, I think everyone's brain does like dopamine and quick wins and like ticking things off the to-do list and stuff like that and if you keep doing that all the time you're not going to get to the long-term goal 
Mm-hmm. So I have to put, I have to like essentially protect my time. So if I get up at five thirty in the morning, I will do stuff that's thought provoking, learning, creativity with no external stimulus at all mm-hmm. in the first part of the morning, because that's really important to my progress. Whereas I wouldn't have often done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I am um, going to try and finish piecing together uh, over Christmas. And I found a lot of really good YouTube videos on the topic as well. Um, because quite often business owners like to talk about their successes. So there's a lot of really good information online and, you know, essentially anything can be learned online if you look for the right person in the right place. I think the best lessons come from our mistakes as well, don't they? When we really screw up. Yeah. I just, I don't want to do that as much anymore. Like you, you do it enough and then you're like, Oh, why have I not learned from that now? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's about me trying to be, aware enough to catch it earlier which Mm -hmm. often comes from maturity and listening to other people as well like sometimes someone tells us something and you're like oh I know better it's like do you a person's got 20 years experience you've got four yeah it's easy to get sucked in and I guess because you've been so successful and you've got such a huge voice in the industry and the fitness industry can be quite saturated and you know a lot of people give up it's one of those industries that you you probably need quite a lot of resilience and to keep going it can be quite cutthroat but what would you say is kind of being part of helped you be so successful so far oh so far it's just uh i'm gonna say hard work resilience and and routine to the cause uh you know when i first started my business in 2008 my first business i was just really structured with my time i'd get up at six o'clock in the morning i'd work for three hours on my business then i'd go to uni i'd do uni then i'd go to the gym and my lunch break then i'd do uni in the afternoon uh, when you didn't have lectures but i knew i had work to do because i didn't want it to be handed in last minute and then I'd go and play sport with my mates. Then I'd go and work for another two hours in my office. I rented an office space at uni. And then when I went out and got shit-faced. Um, so like I did it all when I was able to do it all, but it's because I was really organized and knew yeah. what I wanted to do and needed to do. And if I didn't know the answer, I'd just keep trying something until I found it or it worked. And I think that's my only real secret to success is that I've just keep kept on trying. I've, I've got a an eye on the bigger prize. I'm not, I'm not looking for a six month business goal and I'm always trying to work towards a one, two, three year mm-hmm. goal for myself, um, for my relationship, for, for my finances. Like, mm-hmm. and that's why I love talking about health and fitness in a broader view. Cause we don't just want to be health and fitness, health and fit because we want to look good and, and do all of that kind of stuff. But we want a good relationship with our partner. We want to be active and alive for our kids. Mm-hmm. We want to earn good money, like all of these things, like mm-hmm. health and fitness quite often gets lost in the narrowness of, of body image and stuff. And it's, I keep fit and healthy to live my best life. It's mm-hmm. not so I can just go down the beach and take my shirt off, which I can do as well and kind of be really happy with what's there. Yeah. So yeah, fit. And that's why I talk about being awesome. It's like, do you feel awesome? You know, you asked me about my mojo at the beginning. Give me a score out of 10. If I said to other people, how awesome do you feel on a scale of one to 10? Cool. What do we need to change? Sleep, food, hydration, your work environment, the time in the morning you get up. Like, let's troubleshoot that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I kind of, I suppose I've evolved into a bit of a life coach now because life is a lot broader than just nutrition and what what we are chicken's good or a bean burger is better or whatever you know 
And that's the thing, it's the actual practicing it. It's, I mean, it's all about mindset. And when I heard you speak, you know, it was so many good tips in there. But one thing you really got sort of through to us is, you know, mindset. And I've been banging on about this for years. You know, I've worked with a lot of PTs, I've interviewed a lot. And I will say to them, you know, you could have the best plan in the world, but if someone's mindset's not right, if they don't have a strong reason why, you're not really going to get the results, are you? Mm. Really interesting one. And I think a lot of people struggle because it feels like you should be able to sit down, have a chat with yourself and change your mindset. Uh The problem is, is your mindset is built and acts within your environment every day. So if your environment is built structurally, physically, emotionally towards you leading you down a negative path every day, then it's going to be very hard to feel motivated, to have a positive mindset, to feel like you've got mojo. So I quite often get quite functional with people. And I'm like, talk to me about the bed that you sleep in. Like, is it comfy? Like, do you sleep well? Like all of that stuff. When you get up in the morning, like what food is in your fridge? What's your routine? Do you go and sit and watch the news? If you do, how does the news make you feel? Because a lot of people find the news quite negative. Hey. If you spend half of your day watching that, like that's not going to set you up to win. Like, so it's all of those things. And I talk, uh, you would have heard it in the talk. I talk about uh, momentum. And I'm like, where in your day does your momentum start to go the way that you don't want it to? Is it at lunchtime? Cool. What happened at lunchtime? So let's look at your lunchtime routine. Let's look at what you eat. Let's look at your work environment. And until people get really granular, it's very hard to maintain, you know, a a positive mental attitude or being motivated because someone else or something is stealing it. Mm -hmm. It's affecting you. And that's why I'm so good at protecting what I see and protecting how I behave every day. Because if I don't do that, it throws my day off. I did it yesterday. I was so angry yesterday afternoon. I could have smashed my laptop against the desk. And all of, like, all of that anger I'd created myself through not protecting my routine again. But then I was getting more angry because I hadn't done the routine. Yeah. So I was like annoyed at myself for what had happened and then annoyed at myself for not being able to control what had happened. And the only way I can control that is by following the routine that works for me. It's hard. So it's it is. Really hard. And, I, like, and I'm, I'm sharing that story because I do not have my shit 100% together. Mm-hmm. But part of my frustration at myself is because I do have very high standards for myself. Like mm-hmm. I want the best for myself. I want to give the best to my, my, my wife, you know, my, my team, all of that stuff. Um, but it, it starts with me creating the exact environment I need to thrive. Mm-hmm. You need to be happy to be able to to help others and and to be a sort of force for others as well, because it, it can be easy to become a mood hoover, right? A what? Sorry. Uh, have you heard the term mood hoover? Uh, no, but I can kind of guess what it guess what it means. So you know when you and we can all be a mood hoover. I always say to people, you know, try and be the light instead of the mood hoover. Um, but I, I catch myself and I'm like, why am I being a mood hoover today? Why am I not being the best version of myself? And as you say, it's trying to really work out where you're losing that momentum. And perhaps mm. some people you train will be quite spontaneous naturally, and then you'll get people that are really all over routine. So do you find those people find it easier to stick to their goals? Quite often because they have practiced routine and when you have routine and you see an outcome, you generally stick to it. So I 
kind of got enlightened, I suppose, to the value of a routine at school because I went to a military school. So everything was organized at school, eight or nine, I knew what I was doing, you know, whether the school or I dictated that, I knew what was happening. And when you look at these kind of like time blocks in your day and you see the outcome and you associate the outcome with something positive, you're then motivated to do it more, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, ever since that day, I, I was very organized with my time. So I'm, I'm fortunate for that upbringing but I'm just trying to let other people know about it. I'm like, I've been doing this from an early age and it served me really well. Like I'm really organized. Um, and I, that means I get a lot of shit done. Like I don't have a lot in my day where it's all like a bit airy fairy. And I do enjoy that. And some people look at people that plan quite, you know, religiously as, as a bit weird. Like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. Mm -hmm. But what's less fun is not getting the outcome that you want for your life. And that's the key thing. Like if I'm happier at the end of the month because of how my month has gone, then my tools are better than your tools to get the outcome, which is happiness, fulfillment, pleasure, fun, all the rest of it. So while in the moment it seems rigid and fixed, we do it because we want a longer term outcome. I love that. I love that. That's that. I'm going to use that line because it is, it's about looking like for me, sometimes batch cooking, I know I should do it and get my veggies in, but I can't be bothered chopping all the veggies to make a curry or whatever I'm doing. But I've set this rule. Well, I know by the end of the month, if even once a week, I can batch cook some healthy dishes, soups and stuff that's in the fridge. I will be a better version and I'll be happier because I've eaten more. My I've eaten better food. My clothes are looser. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if I go, oh, but I just don't have time. And then I run from one thing to the next and then I'm grabbing the sandwich and I have no idea what's in it you know I don't mm. feel as good so a tip for that and I'm the same because I don't like batch cooking but I see the value in it mm -hmm. is pick the time in your week when you know motivation is the highest and the time is the freest to do it mm -hmm. so with that um, I usually do it one day a week with my wife so mm -hmm. me and my wife usually cook with each other twice a week and on one of those evenings, I'm like, right, we're cooking. Let's cook all the other stuff and plan all the other stuff because we're in that mindset and we yeah. work together on it and it's time together in the kitchen. So it doesn't feel like a chore because we're just having a chat. Maybe we've got, you know, a bottle of wine open and, and it's an enjoyable process. But if you get to like, you know, Wednesday and you're like, Fuck, I haven't food prepped and I've got no food in it. Now you're not in the mindset to do it because yeah. you just want the task done to achieve something. So I'm really hot on people identifying where their patterns are in their environment. So the pattern that you have with your partner, with your work, with your kids, like where do you feel most up for doing this? It's like exercise. Like maybe you shouldn't keep forcing yourself to try and get to the gym four days a week at X time. Perhaps you should just go two days a week because you know that motivation is highest on a Monday evening and a Wednesday morning. So how about we commit to that? And then if you feel good at other times in the week, then you can add in an extra session. Mm -hmm. And also by doing that, you minimize the feeling of failure because with our health and fitness, people are amazing at over committing things to themselves. Like, right, it's January. I'm not taking sugar. I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not having any caffeine. I'm not having any gluten. And then it's like, that is a massive over commitment to yourself. Like what's the chances of you achieving that? 
So how about we make a commitment? We know we can be successful. So maybe change the water habit, maybe change the veg habit. And then when you're sweet, mid-January, really comfortable, habits have shifted, we add some other stuff. Because otherwise we reach mid-January and we've hit failure because we've already not done two of those 10 things we promised ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we throw the towel in. Um, so like from a different business analogy, I'm amazing at thinking I'm superhuman. So for tomorrow, I'll write my to-do list with like 10 different things on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get to tomorrow and I've got to the third thing. And like in theory, my day's finished. And then I feel like a failure. But it's my fault because I wrote an unrealistic to-do list for my work day. Yeah. So I'm now a lot kinder to myself. And I'm like, right, these are the most two most important things to do tomorrow. If I get time, I'm going to do this one other thing. But the chances are I won't because I just know how that that's, that, that's how work pans out. And that allows me to keep continuing to feel good about myself and my work. Um, and I think that is ever more prominent now because we have technology on our side mm -hmm. and it's like, we can do things quicker. We can send emails quicker, but sometimes that just makes things more of a jumble and a blur because things are just moving everywhere. And it just mm -hmm. feels like you don't have enough control with it. Um, yeah. Sorry. Bit of a tangent. I like that because it can get so like you've got all your emails, you've got your projects, content to create, clients, all that stuff. And sometimes you're like, ah, oh, where do I start and how long do I dedicate to each thing? And it can get a little bit crazy, can't it, when things are so fast paced? Yeah. Um, and I, probably another thing I love doing is setting a timer for something. So the gym, I walk in the gym and I'm like, right, I've got 45 minutes. Let's go. And I will work as hard as I can. I'll do everything I can. But as soon as 45 minutes is up, I'm gone. Mm. Same with the blog. I'm like, right, I've got to write a blog. 40 minutes on the timer, go. And at the 30 minute mark, I have a, an alarm. And then the remaining 10 minutes is for me to go back and edit. And then I send it off to another editor. And then it gets put on the website. So sometimes it's about, I've actually only got this amount of time to do it. So I'm mm -hmm. going to commit to having that. that yeah. And I can't remember the, the, the law, but there's um, a lot of research around uh, an individual will take as long to do a task as they have time given. So if I say to you, right, we're going to record a podcast for an hour, we'll do a podcast for an hour. But if we say we're going to do a podcast for 30 minutes, we'll do a podcast for 30 minutes and probably cover the same amount of content and kind of like richness because mentally you'll be aware that you've only got 30 minutes and there's so much that you want to say yeah wham bam yeah um so i think time chunking is a really valuable tool as well yeah yeah love it love it you've got you've got the mindset there it's impressive stuff yeah i've just read a lot of books and thrown a lot of shit against the wall and you know and i say that to a lot of people i'm like if you don't know something learn it 10 times over in 10 different ways. Like if you don't know how to be a better writer, read 10 different blogs on how to become a better writer. Like, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're struggling with your mindset, read 10 different books on mindset and something in those books will hit you between the eyes and be like, bam, like that's got you. Cause no book can solve everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you've just got to peel back these layers, especially when it comes to something like mindset, you've got to peel back these layers of all the things that you believe in and that you value and then sometimes a writer will just get you, just get oh, under your skin. Bang. And be like, oh, this book. Oh my God, it's changed my life. But you might I've have had to read five books to get there. 
Yeah, I know. It, it's funny. Someone said that to me last night about my first book. My neighbour, she she came through. She said your book changed my life, and she oh, went cool. and did a coaching thing. And I was just like, that's you know, your words. Like as a writer, you just got to keep going and practice your craft and be all in. Like everything you do, if you're sort of half in, people can feel that. So I always say, like, don't be a stingy writer. Don't be a stingy listener. So if you're reading a book, you listen with an open mind and try and because you'll never get into someone else's lens because we've all got stories and labels and beliefs that we carry. And when we can just show them the front door and go, actually, I don't have to be that person. I don't have to be the pushover. I don't have to be the weak one. I don't have to be the lazy one. Start to challenge where those thoughts come from, you know, because for you, you spoke about being overweight as a teenager. Do you, can you look back to where that came? Did you have an association with food? Did you just love it? Was it a celebration or you know, have you, did you do some work there on your mindset to explore? To be honest, it was very easy when I was younger because I went to boarding school and that basically means you get fed like pretty much a buffet every day. So as a kid, you have no idea how much you should eat and what you should eat. So I, I wasn't unhealthy, but I'd literally grab a main meal and then have like a chip sandwich on the side. Well, anyone's going to get fat if you eat like that. So it was, it was quite simple. Um, I've never been unactive, always played sport, always did all sorts of stuff because of, of my environment. But when I left school, I did still struggle because just sort of my idea of a portion was just totally out of whack because I used to just eat so much. And then when I left school, I wasn't actually exercising half as much as I used to because we used to play sport for like two hours a day. And as a kid, you know, you just run around like a headless chicken, like you've just got endless energy. But then when you've got to start to think about going to work and all that kind of stuff that kind of robs some of your mental energy, which robs some of your physical energy. And then, although I was kind of eating less when I left school, I was also exercising a ton less. And as we know, calories in calories out, I didn't lose any weight for a while until someone sort of like, you know, knocked me over the head and was like, you know, dude, let's really look at what you're eating. Yeah. I think you think you're doing the right thing, but actually if we look at this on paper, you're actually not like, and that's when I got a bit more granular and that and that's the thing with any problems like people say to me like oh i'm really trying i'm doing all the right stuff and you have to be honest and say well are you mm -hmm. like let's actually look at your diet on paper across seven days are you doing the right stuff nearly every day to reach a goal and then when you write it down it's like oh well yeah well you know thursday evening wasn't great and then saturday we had a wedding and then like you're not doing all the right stuff and I'm not criticizing you personally, but you've just told me you haven't reached a goal and you're doing everything you can to reach a goal, but you haven't. Mm -hmm. Now we need to look honestly and say, can we change mm -hmm. the tools? Can we change our consistency in the week to get to the outcome? Mm -hmm. to do so. What do you think about the kind of hardcore tough love approach that some of the big um, names are, are going for like really like shaming and, and stuff? I think it works mm -hmm. with the right kind of person at the right time. And that's yeah. the thing with any message. Like I've put stuff out on social media and people have been like, Oh my God, like, you, you know, you can't say that. Like, you know, you'll hurt so-and-so's feelings. And I'm like, you're going to hurt someone's feelings with anything. Yeah. So just fucking say it anyway. Um, but you know, I've had loads of tough love, um, but it works for my character. Like I like tough love, like the last mentor that I went on and, and, and got coaching from, which I actually recorded um, for my podcast, which people found uh, quite 
enlightening because it was quite raw and honest. Um, I went and sought him out because I felt that he would give me all the tough love I needed. He would call me out on my bullshit. And, you know, sometimes it just needs to come from the right person in the right way at the right time. And, you, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to be ready for it. Some people need a cuddle. Some people need to like lift themselves up a bit and then they're ready for the tough love. Like I might, you know, work with a client and for a couple of weeks, I'm like, right, let's get you started. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then bam, you're like, you're in with the reality check. I'm like, you haven't got that outcome because of this. Mm -hmm. But for me, you quite often need to use the frustrated emotion of the person to give the tough love. Mm -hmm. Tough love can't be unsolicited. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's when it becomes just, um, you know, criticism. So if I'm open to it and I've kind of said, oh, I'm not getting my result. Can you help me? And I go, well, the reality is you're not doing the work and you'll stand back and go, fuck. That was honest, but it was true. And I opened myself up to the truth. But a lot, a lot of people, and I, I say this, I've said this before, you know, you can't handle the truth. It's, it's hard. Some people, we all know those people that can give out stuff, but they can't handle the truth themselves. So how do we get to a place where we can handle the truth more? You... I think have to work on yourself and ask yourself why you are not ready for the truth. Mm -hmm. Don't think it's a reflection on the other person. Like the truth is hard to hear, but the truth often challenges what we believe in. The truth has to initiate change. Perhaps we're not ready for change. Perhaps we're not comfortable for change. Perhaps we're not open to change. And there's loads of things that can affect that. Like if you're really underslept, you're a new parent, you know, things are tough you're not sleeping you're not ready for more change you're just like ready to try and live life and eat some food that doesn't make your face melt um like you survival just, yeah you're in survival mode mm -hmm. so you have to put yourself in the right place so if i am constantly you know fighting back and thinking you know why are these people saying things like why am i in that place mm -hmm. i've got to question my own feelings um and not a lot of people are ready to do that um not a lot of people are comfortable being truly self-aware and and that is the starting point of all so much of this stuff being truly self-aware like and it and people kind of think that at the end of the self-awareness tunnel there's this new person and this new level of enlightenment enlightenment but there's not it's just true understanding so you can work with yourself like I am a hugely gifted and talented person at some stuff. I'm hugely flawed and weak at other stuff, but I'm not going to spend too much time on that because there's just no point. There's no point living in weakness. So I'm going to play to my strengths. I'm going to do things that I'm good at. I'm going to do things that I enjoy at. And when I talked about my routines and my habits at the beginning, they're basically to stop me falling into bad habits, to drop me into this kind of weak place. So self-awareness is about going, oh, I naturally think like that. So how can I put in a habit and routine to make that thought more positive, to make the outcome more positive? Mm. Um, so like I'm naturally quite a selfish person. And it's just a way that I brought up my, my parenting so I have to make sure that in my day, I have time for myself and to be selfish. Mm -hmm. But if I do that, I can then give my best self to other people, whereas other people aren't like that. So that's I fine. Think so. I think we're all selfish at something. 
at something but i think you know it's like you know my wife for example is very unselfish so mm. the time that she wants for herself in her day is probably like half an hour you know right. she gets in from work she's a nurse so she's a very giving person so when she gets in from work she doesn't want to talk to anyone for half an hour but i might not want to talk to someone for three hours because that's my that's the, like almost the level of selfishness that i need mm -hmm. so i just need to work my day so that I can do that. And luckily I've chosen to be a business owner. So that means I can, you know, kind of take that control uh, and change that. And to be honest, that might change as I become a parent. It probably will. I'm expecting it to, but that's You're fine. for some big changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but as long as I can stand back and say, right, things have changed. How do I feel? What do I need to move? What conversations do I need to have? What habits may need to shift? What expectations may need to change so i've already started talking on social media that my expectation for my fitness is i'll be able to train twice a week for 30 minutes when i'm a new parent yeah probably not because of time because i work from home so my time is very malleable but just from energy like just yeah. feeling like i want to go for a run or lift some weights or whatever but if i can do more i'm now winning i've set my bar really low and you know, not a lot of people do that. We set the bar very high. We see people on social media setting their bar really high because we quite often see all the good stuff, none of the bad stuff. Um, and I, I don't follow anyone like that. I hate seeing positivity all the time on social mm -hmm. media because it's not giving me a real reflection of what my own life should be like. My mm -hmm. life is probably 85% positivity, mm -hmm. general rule of thumb. And if it drops below that, it's probably usually within my control. It's probably how I'm reacting to situations and people. So that's stuff that I can change. But I don't. I, I want to know how other people are working through their troubles and their pains and their anguish and stuff because it helps me deal with mine. You know, yeah. otherwise we just, you know, we cover all our turds in glitter. You know, we just end up with loads of shiny turds. It's like, no, I've got a turd in my life. How do I, you know, how do I work out how to get a nice bag, pick it up, put it in the bin and not let it happen next time. I know that's probably an awful analogy, but Love that. it's really important to have that realism and that perspective in your own life because uh, life is not rainbows. It certainly isn't. And I, I just think like that's a lot what this podcast is, is about. Like when people have been, I'm talking some of the people that have been on here, I've had all the crap thrown their way, just horrendous. But at the end, like hearing how they got themselves out of that, I'm like, boom, like, where's that for inspiration? Because it can be easy. I've always been told I'm a really positive person, but I kind of toned that down because it wasn't cool in the UK to be positive. Do you know what I mean? Like walking around singing and like, way. I don't know where that came from. I think it was just maybe I made peace with myself. Maybe my parents were, were they had a lot of faith growing up. So maybe I, I dealt with some of my demons early on. I don't know. But I would tone it down a lot and you know i would be quite anxious about that but see when you can really learn from people like how they've managed to get over stuff it's so powerful so for you like you've recorded is it 400 podcasts or something like that yeah i think i'm at 487 wow so congratulations because i know like i've recorded about 100 so far and i know how much graft goes into it but also how amazing it is for you to do a podcast because you learn so much don't you mm. Yeah, I, I love it. Like every every week I get to chat to someone that helps my mindset grow. 
Um, and that's a beautiful thing about podcasts and audio books. Now we talked about reading 10 different books on mindset. Now you can listen to 10 different books. And if you drive a lot, then you might be able to read a book a week through an audio book. But you know, that's the beauty of the world today. Um, like I was chatting to someone, I was chatting to a taxi driver um, because he was taking me to this station for a flight. It was like, oh, all this nutrition information is all bloody confusing. And you know, he's kind of moaning about nutrition. And he goes, oh, I don't know who to believe. And I was like, well, where do you learn about this stuff? And he goes, oh, I don't really, like, I, I don't really have time. And I said, no offense, dude. I'm like, you drive around all day. Like 40% of your day is probably spent with not a client in the back of your, your taxi. Could you put on an audio book about nutrition? And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, I never really thought about that. Like I said, you know, if you do fancy, and I pitched in my podcast, I said, if you fancy learning, you know, I've got a podcast, Ben Coomer Radio. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll have a listen to that. And, um, you know, hopefully he goes and does something with that. But that's the world that we live in. But we have to stand back and we have to reflect and we have to say, what am I struggling with? And then we have to get the right kind of people in our ears or, you know, reading the right kind of stuff to help us break through those problems what do you think like is, is it the number one fitness podcast or something you've got it's been the number one rated many times and there wow. was a time where it had the most reviews ever of a podcast even more than tim ferris's so but what have you not... done what's your tips for people that want to be successful in podcasting be consistent be interesting uh, understand what the listener wants to to hear um, I've been interviewed on a ton of podcasts where, you know, the, the podcast is all the podcaster has done it almost from a self-interested point of view. So it's kind of like all about them and what they want to learn. And, that, and that's fine to an extent, but what about the listener? What journey are you taking them on? I did a podcast recently where we jumped from food to business, to life, to like everything. And I'm like, whoa, what's your podcast about? Like, and it was jumping too much. There's nothing wrong with talking talking about different things like we have today but i'd like to think that today we've like we've navigated a journey we've kind mm -hmm. of meandered a bit and, and mm -hmm. we've gone through some stories which is a good thing so yeah um don't get too hung up on the quality of your equipment yes it's important to have like you know pretty good sound but i've had people turn up at my house for an interview with like a sound deck and three cameras and all sorts of stuff and he's like oh yeah no i'm just just recording the audio and i'm like all right I just get open my iPhone and use my iPhone. Um, so yeah, consistency, angle, think about your customer. Um, don't take longer to do something that you need to. Like, There's no point having a three-hour podcast unless it's going to be interesting. The mm -hmm. only person that's nailed that is Joe Rogan. So unless you can be as interesting as Joe Rogan, don't do a three-hour podcast. Um, and just keep getting feedback from your audience. Like if people are listening to your show, if they say, oh, Ben, mate, that podcast was shit. I need to listen. I need mm -hmm. to change that. I need to not get defensive because ultimately I podcast to serve the listener. Mm -hmm. That's why you do it. So you want to give them stuff that they want. So mm -hmm. it's, and, and it's, I guess, keeping check on the ego as well. Like, cause you, you might want to do things that are really on trend or whatever, but if people aren't interested in it, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. um, but then saying that people always want to hear what's on trend. Yeah, this is very true. <laughs> um, because ultimately that is new and we're always seeking new different so yeah i guess it depends what your thing is like this one's always been like a bit like therapy for people it's just really uncut conversations but also motivational as well so it's like just real honest raw chat 
and that's what what my listeners tend to love you know um but you're you know different industry and i think it is good to sort of be on top of that i mean what do you think of veganism because there's so much chat about that at the moment would could you ever be a vegan uh no um i've tried veganism i've done veganuary um i saw a decline in my overall well-being and performance um and that was largely because i had a good diet before i did it mm-hmm. so for me it was a case that i removed meat and brought in other sources of protein which i didn't feel were as wholly nutritious and beneficial it has taught me that i don't need to eat as much meat and i now eat probably one meat serving a day whereas before i'd eat like three or four mm-hmm. so that's that's been positive um you know being a vegan has a certain set of principles you know you don't agree with killing animals for food and that's that's absolutely fine i respect that um you know and it comes with a couple of other values and beliefs is vegan healthier than a normal omnivorous diet no um can you eat enough can you get enough protein from a vegan diet yes is it more difficult to do so yes is it more difficult to get some other nutrients yes the problem that i have with veganism is a if you disagree with killing animals for food that's absolutely fine but then don't go down and hunt incorrect health claims to give another reason why someone should not eat meat mm-hmm. and i see this all the time i'll post something on social media and they're like yeah but killing animals is bad and i'm like that's fine you believe that i don't mm-hmm. and then they're like yeah but meat's evil like it clogs your arteries and i'm like no now you're just trying to make shit up because your first argument didn't work and i will support the vegan movement i'll support movement i'll support anything as long as people are using it for the right reasons and the right mm-hmm. belief structures people believe that killing animals is fine that's, that's something that i don't agree with but if you agree you know that's a belief of yours i will respect that belief mm-hmm. but i won't try and force other opinions on you and facts to make you try and believe something different yeah uh, and that's my frustration at the moment is we're seeing a lot of like really bad arguments like you know some of these netflix documentaries like the game changes and all that kind of stuff it's like why don't you just say we don't want to kill animals for food and that's what we believe in that's fine but now they're starting to make up all these different health claims that don't stack up nutritionally just to try and make people think differently like some of the experiments they did in the game changes movies like just not even scientifically correct like the experiment they did with uh, male penises and um endothelial function like the test that they use and what they tracked didn't even align didn't doesn't even make sense scientifically so you know i think people just need to be careful with that and um you know when we are looking for credible information we have to look at the credibility and source of the information like if you're you know there's a hierarchy if you're reading health advice on the daily mail website expect it to be 99% hearsay sensationalization clickbait whereas if you're going towards a scientific journal expect mm-hmm. that to be fairly accurate but there's still levels of credibility within scientific studies like was the person that designed the study out to try and prove something you know was it funded by people like there's loads of different ways that we have to try and break this stuff down to find the facts and i get that this is tough from a general consumer point of view mm-hmm. because we don't have the time 
to sit down and read lots of journals because they're quite complicated to read. But that then means that you have to follow the right people online that do follow this stuff and do come at it objectively. So, for example, if I was vegan and I believed in veganism for ethical reasons, I will look at science differently. I will try and find arguments that support my already existing personal bias. And I will do the same as a meat eater. So I have to find people that are really objective. They kind of like sit in the middle. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm vegan or a meat eater or a pescatarian or vegetarian. This is the science. Like I'm reporting on it objectively. So when you follow people online, um, it kind of almost makes it a bit boring to follow people that are kind of like middle of the road and quite objective. But that's where the truth lies. The truth doesn't lie in extremity. It's like you asked me, what's my secret to success with the podcast? It's like, it's not a hack that no one else has seen. It's the fact that I've worked hard, I've been consistent, I've been interesting, I've been timely and I've committed to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the answer with most things. That's the answer with building a good relationship. Like, you know, that's a way to build a good career. Like you, you work at it consistently. There's no real secrets. It's like the truth is in the middle, but the truth is really boring for a lot of people. Um, but that is the reality. Yeah, we want this kind of magic answer, don't we? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I like that answer, though. That's good. You, you're, you're pitching to me, and because I do have quite a few vegan listeners as well, but they're, you know, open. Um, but you're pitching to me. You, you come across as knowledgeable, which is good. Because we, do, we don't have a lot of time. So we need people to, you need to like, be, like, feel like you can trust people who you're, you're listening to. Yeah. And anyone that's listening to this that has certain beliefs, let's say you're listening to this and you're vegan. It's fine. I respect you and I can respect me. But I'd like you now and again to challenge what you currently believe. Like I do that, you know, as 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 an omnivore. Right now and again, I challenge what I'm eating. Like, Am I eating the right thing? Has the science changed? Do I need to, you know, become fully plant based like and not eat any meat? So you know, I go through these cycles like every three to six months of challenging what I'm currently doing. It's like, you know, I talked a little bit about my schedule, my environment, my business at the beginning. What is working for me right now will not work for me in three months time. So I have to go through this cycle of challenging what I'm doing. Is it working? And that's just all I would implore to do on this podcast, because that's how you get closer to the truth. And the truth will be ongoing. And the truth is different for different people. But the fortunate thing is with nutrition, we know an awful lot scientifically. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever in doubt, go to a really good, reputable scientific source and say, I've heard of this. Is it true? Oh, no, the science says otherwise. Otherwise, it's just opinion. Um, you know, it's like I lost all my weight when I was a kid following a paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Does that mean a paleo diet is gospel? No, paleo diet is just the tool I used to cut a massive amount of calories out of my diet to initiate weight loss. It also inadvertently removed two food groups that I was quite reactive to. So it helped clean up a lot of my health problems. Doesn't mean paleo's the be all and end all, which was what I believed in when I was younger. It just mm-hmm. means that that framework and that system of nutrition put me in a place that I needed to be to achieve both my health goal and my weight goal. And it wasn't until I became sort of more objective and scientifically minded that I was able to see how something actually worked um, and the kind of truth within that system. 
because mm, we do need that like it's the same for me with meditation some people are the camps divided and i'm saying but all this stuff comes up and they're going to the textbooks but then i say well here's the science you know this professor is amazing he's been on the podcast you know he's coming in the book this this model's brilliant and then you start to explain and you make it accessible and relatable but some of us do you know we need the science as well to sort of back up do you meditate uh used to quite a bit and then i found that doing meditation for a long period of time almost changed the way I thought and behave permanently. And I could drop into a meditative state very easily. So when I was younger, I had a very jumbled mind, very excited all over the place. And then meditation just allowed me to slow down and be more aware. And I'd say now my meditation is going on a dog walk and I'll just go for a walk, fresh air and just think and just be present and just, you know, be at one with how I'm thinking and feeling. And that's quite often what meditation is. It's just yeah. taking a period of time to stop, listen, think and feel. And that allows us to contextualize. Um, so sometimes we have to go through these kind of like forced periods of doing something to learn how to do something by habit. It's like you might learn how to eat better and you might have to be really rigid with it and track it. But once you've learned that, they then become tools that no longer take you an hour to do every day, but 20 minutes to do every day because you've gone through the process of learning and, and, and kind of forming those new habits. I love it when you break it down. And that's true. I feel like I've got to that place too. You put the training in with meditation and then you can just feel it in nature and it can come to you. And then you get these amazing downloads and content ideas and things as well when you switch off. Cause I think it's not until we really switch off. That's when the downloads started to come, you know, hundred mm, percent. You get your ideas and you're like, boom. So do you have a book in you then? Uh, yeah, I wrote one when I was younger and I'm kind of embarrassed by it now. So I took it off sale about a year ago, but hopefully in the early part of next year, my book, uh, the awesome diet will be out. Um, and it is framed as a nutrition book, but it's, uh, it's kind of a, a calling to people to say, are you ready to go and live an awesome life? And, and this is how you're going to do it. And we're going to eat well and we're going to move well. We're going to think well, we're going to sleep well. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that will be out early 2020. Amazing. Are you self-publishing or are you going with publisher? Uh, I haven't decided yet. It seems it would probably depend if I get a good bite with a publisher um i haven't actively worked hard enough to do that yet mm -hmm. but i would be more than happy to self-publish um ultimately i want the book out there and i mm -hmm. want to want it to be able to help people so we'll see i'm open to either exciting well i'm looking forward to reading that thank you and i think when you have do you know what you're having are you talking about child baby yeah, yeah. girl <laughs> oh you're having a girl yeah Oh, congrats. Thank oh, you. Me and my wife love a plan. So we, we wanted to find out. And I've really, I'm really personally glad we found out because it's made it really real. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just in talking to the bump, like we know it's a girl. Uh, we're already thinking about the future. And for me, I, I like that. It's made me far more excited mm -hmm. about it. It's amazing. She will have you under her thumb. <laughs> like... Oh, it's it's amazing to watch uh, my husband with our little girl. It's just you're you're in for a treat. But I I find for me having kids, it just brings a whole new fire inside you because you look at the world differently. 
and it, it does help you to be a better creator, better writer, better person all around. So I'm really excited for you and all mm. the next decade will bring. Mm, thank you very much. I'm excited. Well, keep in touch. And I always just end asking people their favourite song. You can either sing it to us now or I can play it later. Oh, my favourite song. You probably should have warned me about that because I'm not... <sighs> It it's like anything it kind of changes like yeah. how you're feeling and what you're thinking um there's a lot of uh i listen to a lot of melodic drum and bass mm -hmm. and i say melodic because when people when i say drum and bass people are like oh fucking, i hate that's just like banging and stuff and i'm like it's not it's not it's very vocal it's very um experiential anyway uh it would probably be a drum and bass track yeah oh, i love drum and bass do you know shapeshifter yes that's old I used, yeah i used to listen to them when i was living in new zealand because the the scene yeah. over there is so drum and bass you shine so bright doo, 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 doo. yeah i've seen them live like three times oh magic yeah um so like maybe endorphins by Subfocus or something like that would be a favorite track do you want to sing us a few lines or do a dance for us or oh uh, i could i just, i you know, some people are great at remembering like film quotes and music and all that kind of stuff. I'm rubbish at that, but it's because I choose to be. Like, I think we all choose to remember things that are relevant to us. Yeah. Like, I don't remember music and songs and lyrics because I just listen to it for enjoyment. I don't listen Feel to it, it to, be able to like play it back or remember it. Um, so anyway, yeah. Randomly. I love that. I'm going to be blasting some drum and bass after this. So thank you. It's You're been welcome. amazing to chat. So thank you for coming on the Mojo Injection. Um, really insightful. And I'll certainly be taking some of those tips with me through Christmas. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you for inviting me onto the show. And yeah, if anyone wants to experience my podcast, it's Ben Coomba Radio. And otherwise, I'm Ben Coomba on the internet. I'm going to be listening more, actually. You've, you've sold to me. So you've definitely got one list there, but I'm sure you've got many more new ones too. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting guy, eh? I liked that chat. I liked what he said about, you know, I'm quite a selfish person. Uh, I've shared in the past that I was terrified of the word selfish when I was growing up. I was like, that's the worst label. And then when I did my mindfulness course um, this year, I was saying on the podcast with Neil McLean, he said to me, Jojo, it's fine to be selfish sometimes. You need to be selfish. And I was like, boom. And I love his thought of actually taking a few hours aside for you so that you can give more. Subfocus endorphins. Tune. Oh, no. Oh yeah, baby. Tune. Guys, if you need some inspiration for a playlist, do it. Endorphins. Featuring Alex Claire, Sub Focus. Get the tunes banging on. Hold on, baby. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. I could see me lifting some weights to this. Maybe doing a bit of a run. Putting those hands in the air. That's freedom right there. 
guys, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being all in. See you next time. Happy Christmas.